from WJFF Radio Catskill, this is Close to Home, the podcast that explores the people, issues, and institutions in the Catskill Mountains, the heart of small-town America. I'm your host, Leif Johansson. Hey, thanks for tuning in. You've probably seen in the news lately that we are on an economic roller coaster these days, and there doesn't seem to be an end in sight. But you don't need to turn on NPR to learn about how volatile things have been this past year. You just need to go into your local grocery store, where you can see how inflation and supply chain issues have been causing the price of goods to fluctuate pretty drastically. The price of food particularly has gone way up. Throughout much of 2022, the cost of food was up 10% or more year over year, meaning that, for example, the cost of food in August 2022 was up 11.4% over the same goods in August 2021, and the price of one specific good dwarfed those double-digit overall increases. Eggs. In January 2022, the average cost of a dozen eggs in the US was $1.92. In January 23, the average cost was $4.82. That is a 151% increase. And even though inflation has contributed to the rise in egg prices, the major culprit has been a strain of avian influenza, or bird flu. And to find out more, I recently sat down with Daniel Bry, owner of Bry's Egg Farm, located in the hills above Jeffersonville, New York. Bry's is a name you probably recognize if you've ever set foot into a grocery store in Sullivan County, so I was particularly excited to learn from someone whose produce I've been eating ever since I can remember. Most consumers in our our area and, and all over the country have seen that, particularly just at the end of 2022, egg prices were way up in New York State. In December of this past year, the average egg price per dozen was was $5.43 at its peak in December. Uh, And since then, it's come way down on average to, I think, around $2.60. But it's still pretty high compared to the $1.70 a dozen that we were seeing in, in previous years. So could you just get into why we saw that huge egg spike and then why prices are coming down now? Back in uh, last year, the bird flu started in March. It started in the de- state of Delaware where a million birds uh, got the bird flu. And, and it got the bird flu, believe it or not, through the air. It wasn't people tracking it in the building. It had to do with snow geese outside two miles away, flopping their wings in the dander went through the air and got into the building that way. Then it went on to Maryland. There was farms down there that got, there was farms out west. There was farms in Lancaster County that, that got, it so was like 2.1 million birds in Lancaster County that, that got the bird flu. And see what it is, is I don't know if people realize that if you have one bird that has the bird flu, you have to depopulate because it is so contagious. It's more contagious than COVID. There was farms that had 6 million birds. They had to depopulate. 
you know, there's a farm out in Ohio in uh, November that uh, that got it. And I knew that I knew the fellow that ran the farm. And he said, by the time they got to the, there was eight buildings. By the time they got to the last building, the birds were all dead from the bird flu. Wow. That, that's how contagious this stuff is. So as the summer went on, the egg price went up. And, the, and consumers use eggs the most in, when it starts in like September, school opens up. And then they start, you know, more people do baking and cooking. Thanksgiving's coming up. And December and November are the peaks for egg, you know, egg usage, you know, you know, for making cookies, breads, you know, pies. So when it became December or whatever, it was the, it was, the eggs were really short. They really were. There was, there was, if you had an egg, there was no problem getting rid of it. So it, that's where it came to, came to a head or whatever uh, with the egg price. That's Daniel's cat in the background. She had some opinions. And it was in December is when it really shot up. I mean, it went up 15, 20 cents a day because people could not get enough eggs to supply their customers. And then the month of January came came around and the bird flu cases started to diminish in uh, you know, in the middle of December and January. And that's when every day in January the egg price went down 10, 15 cents. Mm. Every day. Did the bird flu impact Bry's egg farm? No, it no, it did. It didn't impact us. Wow. And if it did, it would put us out of business. Mm. It would. When and when you say that, you know, you said there was a farm with, with six million chickens and, and there were some cases of the bird flu and they had to depopulate. D- does that mean that they had to just slaughter all of their chickens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just one second. Sorry about the cat. All good, all good. <laughs> yeah, they they had they had to they had to slaughter all their chickens, every single chicken. And basically it got composted on that farm. Wow. They did. And if they didn't, if they didn't depopulate, they would have been dead from disease. And what happened in Pennsylvania back in the 90s, 90s, 80s, they took the chickens or whatever and they moved them. So when they moved them on the trucks to get them out of there, it spread disease all over. You know, it killed like 19 million, I believe, you know, chickens in Lancaster County because, they, you know, nobody knew how to handle it. So now if the birds stay on the farm, so it doesn't spread to your neighbor or next county. Farmers are getting the, they're getting a bad rap over this. They are. And I don't think a lot of people realize or whatever the severity of, you know, getting the bird flu. You know, we don't, we don't make the egg price. A place called Ernabarry in New Jersey makes the egg price. Whether it's right or wrong, you know, that's what everybody goes by is that price by Erna Barry. And, you know, I don't like it when it gets high. I don't like it when it gets low either. I'd rather have an even keel market so everybody can afford to buy the eggs. But they won't listen to me. You know, I talked to them the other day. This is so interesting. I, I was not aware of that. What What's the place called in New Jersey? That's er, Erna It's called Erna Barry. That's the name of the company. They make hmm. prices for uh, like fish. Seafood, lamb, potatoes. How do you spell that? Uh, This was the first time I had heard the name Erner Berry ever mentioned. And Daniel's right. Erner Berry plays a major role in pricing and analyzing the markets for eggs. 
Shortly after my conversation with Daniel, I got in touch with the folks at Ernerberry, and we'll hear from them in a few minutes. So if they're setting prices, how does it end up working then? Like if I go to Pex in Jeffersonville to buy Bry's eggs, whatever the prices on those eggs are, are, are you checking what the prices are and then telling Pex this is how much they have to be sold for? Uh, or or have, I should say, are you checking what the prices are and then selling them to PEX for a certain amount? We we have an agreement with PEX. We do. It's so many cents year round, no matter what, above or below the market. Hmm. And then and then as the market goes up, like today or whatever, it's kind of I don't know if you saw it or whatever. It went up four cents today, and uh, you know the price goes up. You know it, it goes up. And this, this it's crazy. It went down every day in January. It did. I argued with the lady or whatever a week a week ago. Yeah, a week ago, whatever I did about this. I says, you, you know, you go too high, you go too low. You know, it's just going to be going up next week. Sure enough, it's been going up ever since it went down. The following day, it was going up. Don't make any sense. And and we don't we 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 don't control because they don't listen to anything we said. And do all egg farmers have to participate in that? I mean, how does that yeah. work? Yeah, we we all participate in it. Now, cage free eggs or whatever, the farmer can. Uh, so far, they can uh, they can you know state their own price. They can like egg glands best or whatever was actually cheaper to buy than uh, regular regular eggs because they have a set price. Given that you don't have a whole lot of control over over this, but you you are obviously very familiar with the egg market and with what's happening with the bird flu these days. Right. Do you have any predictions for what 2023 is going to look like with with egg prices and, and with the bird flu? To be honest with you, whatever, the bird flu is coming back. I hate to say it. It's down there in Pennsylvania or whatever right now and a lot of small, small farms here and there, you know, because it's in the wild birds, mm. you know, and when it's in the wild birds, they go everywhere, you know, so uh I can't predict it. It's like the weather. You stick your head out the window and say it's going to be sunny. You know, it'd be the same idea, or whatever. You know, with the with the egg prices or the bird flu. The bird flu, the bird flu, whatever, is what's driving the market because there's you know sixty million birds, whatever that had, that died from it. In the time that you've been working for Bry's Egg Farm and at the helm of Bry's Egg Farm. Do you have a sense of how many times we've seen this with big upticks in bird flu? This is the, if I'm correct, this is the third time that uh, we've had it, you know, this major. We had it in 2015 is when it, you know, killed a lot of birds out in Iowa. It did a lot. Uh, and then it crested and then it was fine. You know, the heat killed the disease. This time, this is a new strain. Of this H5N1, and we never had bird flu after, say, August. The sun would kill it. This year, the sun didn't kill it. They had farms in uh, South Dakota that the they started repopulating or whatever. The you know once they got the okay from the government to to uh, it was put put birds back in December. The birds got it again. They put seven hundred fifty thousand in, and they had to kill them all. Because it got the bird flu. Does that say something about this strain of bird flu, or does it say something about changes in weather patterns? Uh, I think it has say it says something about the strain of bird flu. It's very hardy. The one or whatever 
2015 to sell a kill. This here, this, it doesn't doesn't seem. Who knows what kills? You know, disinfectant be the only thing that I know. That farm also they're in a they're in a flight pattern. You know where the the birds are migrating. You know which has a lot to do with where the farms got the bird flu. I mean, I talked to a guy today in upstate New York in Syracuse. He told me he had two thousand snow geese all around his buildings or whatever yesterday. You know, and those are the ones that are really have the bird flu. You know, and he was having a conniption, and I don't blame him. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like, you know, it's like the enemy's outside. Sure. Because, like, we get the bird flu, we're done. Small farms are done. Yeah. Because you got to be shut down three, four months. So you lose all your customers. How have you managed to keep your birds from getting the bird flu? We don't let anybody, let anybody on the farm. Mm. You know, trucks come in or whatever. Same trucks who spray tires off on every vehicle that comes in. Uh, the help, whatever, we're real careful. Uh, any of the help cannot own birds or be anything anywhere near anything with feathers, you know, um, and we don't let anybody in. Do you usually take that much precaution or is that because of the bird? We, uh, we take precaution to start with ever since back, you know, the first bird flu or whatever. You know, you go into a building, you got to walk through a dip, disinfect and all that. So we, you know, we stepped up our game plan way back when order, but we have gates. We didn't, you know, we did that in 2015. You know, normally we wouldn't have gates. So if Ernerberry has control over the egg prices, why not bring them down? And what data are they using that is causing prices to remain so high and volatile? To find out, I spoke with Karen Raspoli. I am an egg market reporter slash editor analyst <laughs> uh, with Ernerberry. And Ernerberry, uh, for those who may not know, has been reporting on commodity markets for um, more than 160 years, believe it or not. So we've been doing this for just a little bit of time, <laughs> covering uh, all center of the plate proteins. So that would be red meat, poultry, seafood, and of course, eggs. So I'm curious about the distinction between reporting on pricing and setting pricing are these kind of melding together here or or what do you see as as the difference here because my sense is that egg prices are developed out of the data that Ernerberry puts out so it's actually you know i often explain to people that we're really sort of like a lagging indicator of what's going on in the market because we are essentially reporting the market we have to by very nature wait for the market to develop, and then report on what happened. So we don't necessarily set the market. I, I don't usually use that terminology because we are not making a random determination, but using existing trade data to formulate a daily price assessment. So while some people out there may use them synonymously, um, we are essentially reporting on what's already transpired. Mm. Um, so we use trade information and in the absence of actual trade information, then of course, bids, offers, and other sorts of market intelligence that would um, help us determine you know, where the market is at present. Can you give an overview of, of how that works at, at maybe that 40,000 foot level of if you're coming up with $3.50 for 
a dozen eggs. How is that number? How are you actually getting to that number at the end of the day? Yeah, so we're we're canvassing the market every day, talking to all of the major stakeholders in the egg market. So producers, distributors, jobbers, wholesalers, you know, retailers, all the various parties, and we're collecting um, inventory position type data. We're collecting the actual transactional information. That, of course, is what ultimately forms the the moves there. Um, but really, just saying, hey, you know. What do you have to sell today? What are you asking for it? Are you a buyer? What are you paying? Um, there is a public trading platform, which of course we we do look at, but people often think that that's the only thing that's out there. And it's not. I often say if we were relying just on public data, there would be no need for Erner Barry. There's obviously a lot more that happens outside of you know public trade. Um, and it's all of that private information and all of the relationships that we've built over decades um, that allow us to collect that data on a daily basis and, and arrive at those prices. Um, as for how we arrive at those prices, that that definitely gets um, a little bit technical, um, but sort of like the best bird's eye view that I can um, provide would be, you know, our, our quotation is represented in dollars per dozen. Um, it is obviously a unit of measurement that anybody can follow along with. So it makes good sense. But eggs are traded in all different types of forms. You know, it's not just an egg that's in a carton. Um, there are eggs that come straight from the farm before they've been washed and separated by sizes. There are eggs that have been washed and separated out by size, but not put in cartons. There are eggs that are in um, cases that are going into like distribution or food service channels, but they're all eggs. And at the end of the day, what we're quoting is an egg market. And so we, we have to evaluate all of those different types of pack types, as we call them, and make them all work for one quotation. Mm. And so we we basically have these trade relationships that we look at and we assess, you know, okay, this one is at a premium, this one is um, at a discount maybe, and and try to, to come up with um, the number that represents, as I said, the bulk of trade. You know, we, we really report on trades. We never want to get to the extremes of the market, not the highest high and not the lowest low. So in chatting with one of the major egg farmers up in the Catskills about this huge price spike in eggs at the end of last year, what he said was, you know what, I have no control over egg prices. That all comes from Erner Berry. And so all I do is produce eggs. And and after that, the price that it gets sold at in the store, I have absolutely nothing to do with. So right. is is that a fair assessment of kind of how this system is working? From from his perspective, I can see that. And a lot of people do say that, like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's not up to me. Erner Barry sets the price. But Erner Barry, as I um explained before, we're not we're not just setting an arbitrary price. The prices that we publish daily are tried are tied to actual transactions in the spot market. So a spot market, not just for eggs, but for any commodity, um, is really where people who who have long positions or short positions go to get them essentially taken care of. Hmm. And so um really about 10% of any given commodity transact in the spot market, but it's that 10% that is essentially setting the price for the other 90%. Most of what they're producing is committed. Um, but again, a spot market is like it sounds, you know, 
covering your spot needs. I have an immediate need for five loads. And so I'm going to go into the spot market and try and buy them. On, on one day, there may be plenty of offers and I have my my pick of which ones I want to take. And so mm. I'm holding the negotiating power and I might be able to get a really fair price. On another day, there might be 10 other people who are also looking for loads in the spot market. And now obviously you're talking about a lot more competition, which naturally drives that price up. And so that's really what we're looking at. We're looking at, you know, what is that balance between supply and demand? And what does that mean in terms of where transactions are happening and what it's doing to market prices? So in the case of I, I think on the earner Berry site, it has it at uh, December 19th of last year when when the average price went up to $4.66 a dozen. Uh, so on our, uh, sorry to interrupt, on yeah. our, if you're on our website, um, they're showing you probably the earner Berry egg index, which yes. is actually a blend of prices. So that is sort of a proprietary blend that um, mm-hmm. incorporates some of our shell egg pricing, breaking stock pricing, and some others. Um, so it's not specifically just shell eggs. Our our okay. prices actually spiked um, at a record high of $5.46 per dozen in December. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was the that was the all time record. So even higher than what you see on the sort of forward facing um, data that's out there. What was that week like in your office? Uh, I'm going to go with frenetic. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's, uh, you know, it's a little anxiety inducing because obviously, you know, that it's record level pricing and that there are going to be repercussions. Um, But you know, there's a reason for the commodity market. I often say, um, not just me, but you know, it's often been said, nothing cures high prices like high prices. There's a reason why the commodity market exists. It's meant to regulate supply and demand. So if there is, you know, a very high price, ideally it slows down demand from consumers. And then, of course, it frees up some of that supply and helps normalize that balance again. But what we saw in December was that the higher prices were not curing higher prices. Mm. And that's because there's another component, which is, of course, the retail market. And the retailers have choices about what they're going to do with prices. There's usually a few week lag between what occurs in the spot market and what consumers see at the retail level. Um, And you know, usually there's some symmetry there. It's not always, you know, line, you know, line to line, but I mean, there is usually some sense of symmetry between those numbers. But when the market got so far out of control <laughs> beyond anything we've ever seen before, the previous record high, um, by the way, was 309, which was at the onset of COVID. So we blew way past that and then some. Um, so that lag between what was going on in the wholesale market or spot market and what retailers were reflecting just got extremely far apart. And so, and and there was probably a little bit of, um, you know, of that was on the retailers and b- wanting to offer consumers uh, an affordable protein option. And eggs have historically been a very strong loss leader. So that means, of course, that they'll sell them for a little bit of a profit loss in order to bring consumers into the store and particularly down the dairy aisle where they are inclined to pick up more high price ticket items. So with the retailers not following those prices higher, it wasn't slowing demand. In fact, they were selling them pretty darn cheap. So it was fueling more demand at a time when supplies were already short. 
and the bird flu was still spreading. So we've never seen anything quite like that in history. The bird flu typically starts in the spring, dies off in the summer with a heat. That's the end of it on to the next year. That has not been the case. It continued to spread quite a bit, in fact, through November and December. And so there were literally millions of birds um, that were being pulled from production, while at the same time, demand levels were kicking in harder. Um, and that, of course, drove strong competition in the spot market. And as I said, that that kind of buy side competition, um, everybody's trying to outdo one another to win that business and to win that that spot load. And it drove prices up to record highs. We've talked previously on this program about the uh, inelasticity of uh, demand for gasoline, where yes. for every unit price increase on gasoline, people are still consuming about the same amount. How would that compare to something like eggs, which are obviously a staple in, in most of our uh, refrigerators? Yeah, and and you're right. There is very strong consumer pen penetration with eggs. I think there have been studies done. I think something north of 90% of households keep eggs in their refrigerator. So there is a bit of inelasticity there, and especially in the sort of you know fourth quarter of the year, I would say. It's what we call the holiday baking period. There's strong demand, obviously, related to, you know, baking, gatherings, cooking. Um, so people need them. You know, if if you're talking about record high levels in August, maybe not so much. You've got other options, you know, cereal and fresh fruits and other things, but maybe not a lot of baking going on. But certainly in the fourth quarter and around the holidays, um, definitely a lot of inelasticity. And in fact, it's really the year's strongest demand point. Um, I know that Easter tends to be the holiday that we we think of most when we think about eggs because there's sort of the face of the Easter holiday. It's actually through November and December that we see the, the year's strongest demand. Hmm. So obviously since December, egg prices have come way down, but it looks like maybe they're starting to tick back up again. Is that in response to uh, more cases of bird flu and and does it look like we're we're seeing a resurgence of bird flu now? Luckily, the answer to the bird flu question is no. Um, there have been no new cases of bird flu reported among commercial layers since the first half of December, which is, I would say, for the industry and for consumers, fantastic news. We'll knock on uh, wood there. <laughs> yeah, knock on wood. Actually, absolutely, that's a good window to knock on wood. Um, the the Unfortunate reality, however, is that it's still out there. While there haven't been any commercial layers impacted, it is still spreading among other poultry types and wild birds. Um, and in fact, there have been several reported in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, which happens to be a very, very dense um, poultry po population for laying hens. So um, there are certainly high nerves out there, uh, especially as spring migration starts to get underway, that it, it could continue to spread. But luckily, no, bird flu doesn't necessarily, um, or at least the, the ongoing spread of bird flu doesn't necessarily have an impact on prices going up right now. I would say it still is impacting what's happening, though, in as much as we've only been able to repopulate so much of what's been lost. You know, there is, um, you know, great efforts being made to get the the national flock count back up to where it was before the bird flu began to spread in February of last year. But, you know, as we saw throughout the year, 
you know, a house goes up, a house goes down, you know, they'll, they'll put one in and then somebody else, unfortunately will fall prey to the virus. So um, when the bird flu began to spread last year, we had a layer count of 322 million. The most recent report from the USDA had that flock count at about 309 million, which is the lowest flock that we've seen for this period of the year since 2016. Um, and of course, in 2016, we had a much lighter population. There's always population growth. And with that population growth, of course, there are more mouths to feed. So it is a fairly light um, production level to handle the amount of demand that we're seeing right now. And so we have seen prices started to increase again. Um, I believe it was yesterday marked three weeks of consecutive increases. So large conventional prices throughout the country are once again back above $3 a dozen in the wholesale market. As we touched on earlier, there is a little bit of a lag between what happens in the spot market and at the retail level. So um, at the retail level right now, we're hearing great things. You know, everybody's saying, oh, our orders are fantastic. There's, you know, strong movement. People are eating eggs again. We're moving a lot of eggs, which, you know, is great. That's ultimately what the industry wants. Um, but it seems that demand is outstripping available supply at the moment. And so prices have started to to increase again. Um, and I will say it's a little bit early. I mean, there's normally a seasonal rise in front of Easter, but um, this one certainly started early. So it begs the question, what is this market going to look like by the time we get to Easter? Um, and there's no telling if it will eventually, you know, sort of run out of steam before we eventually get to the holiday um, or if it will continue. And certainly a lot of that will hinge on developments related to the bird flu and whether retailers respond and consumers back off once they start to see some higher prices. Is there anything else that you feel that people should know about how the egg market works? The only other thing I would say is, um, you know, there has been obviously a lot of volatility and a lot of, of news about all of the egg prices. I, I imagine that that is going to be a part of the foreseeable future until they get the bird flu eradicated. Um, we do cover the European market as well. We provide benchmark pricing for uh, European eggs. Um, and I can tell you that the bird flu has been spreading there for over two years. It hmm. just, um, yeah, it doesn't seem to want to die out. This could potentially be endemic. There are um, certainly discussions about and, and even trials underway to try and find different vaccines, um, but there are trade barriers that um, would get put up if birds are being vaccinated. So, that, you know, there's a lot of moving parts there. So until a solution um, is really found for this bird flu, I, I would um, just expect um, more of the unexpected in terms of egg prices, because, you know, when that line between supply and demand is thin, like it is now, it just lends itself to more volatility, um, like we've seen. So um, the other the other point that I would make is even before the bird flu began to spread, prices were tracking higher anyway. And a lot of that had to do with underlying strength in inputs, you know, inflation. So fuel and packaging costs and transportation and all of that, that was all creating some upward momentum before the bird flu even began. So if and when that gets resolved, um, you know, who, who's to say where the, the market will eventually settle out at, but there, there was already some, you know, uh, upward momentum building even before the bird flu.
so it doesn't sound like unexpected egg prices are going anywhere anytime soon. I am keeping my fingers crossed that our local egg producers continue to evade the bird flu on their farms, but like COVID, this disease is a powerful reminder that our world hangs in a careful balance, and sometimes our greatest challenges are the ones we can't see. And it may not be out of the question for staple food markets to become more regulated by the government as this roller coaster continues, which we have already seen with corn and milk in the past. Whether or not that happens, though, I am sure that we will have future episodes on the changing world of agriculture in months to come. Thank you so much to Daniel Bry and Karen Rispoli for contributing to today's episode. And as always, thank you for listening. I'm Leif Johansson, and this is Close to Home, a podcast from WJFF Radio Catskill. Have a great week.